I'm going to invite you to turn back with me to John 15, and this is what we'll be looking at today, is John 15, the first 11 verses. In 1940, there was a movie that was released called The Shop Around the Corner, and it starred Jimmy Stewart and Margaret Sullivan. If you've ever heard of this or you're familiar with the storyline, there are these two characters that work at the same leather goods store, an upscale store, and they're, they're on one another's nerves throughout the movie. But as the plot unfolds, what we learn is that two of them, Margaret and Jimmy Stewart, both have a secret pen pal of which they are writing letters to. And as they are writing these letters, they are seeing their heart drawn to this invisible author that is on the other side of those letters. And you see their affections being stirred and their love and their admiration for the other person. You probably know where the story is going. That in the end, they realize that they've actually been writing to one another. And they see one another face-to-face near the end of the movie. It displays the power of the written word. For us Christians, we see the parallel. That before us, on our lap or on our digital device, is the very word of God. And he reveals himself to us through this written word. And as we read it, our affections are stirred. As we are drawn to the true nature of this invisible author. And how many here are like me today that are building their entire existence on the one day where you will see that author face-to-face for eternity. So how do you describe a relationship with the invisible author? What does that look like? In John 15, I remind you of the context. What you have here is Jesus is just a matter of moments going to be handed off to be arrested and then crucified, buried, and then he will raise to life. But in John 13 through 17, what you have is these very intimate conversations that Jesus has with his friends, the 11 remaining disciples. And now he has told them that he is going away, and that is true. He will physically depart. But he's going to provide for them and us a word picture of what it looks like to have a relationship with Jesus. And here is what that is like. It's as a branch remains in the vine, believers, followers of Jesus, are to remain in Jesus. So let's look here at this verse. We're beginning chapter 15, verse 1. We just kind of like to work through the scriptures as a church. And it says in verse 1, Jesus saying these words, I 
am. Now, if you've been with us through the Gospel of John study, you realize that there's six other times, at least, where this phrase comes out. Jesus has already disclosed that I am the bread, I am the light, I am the door, I'm the good shepherd, I'm the resurrection, I am the way, the truth, the life, and I am the true vine. By using that phrase, he was connecting it back to the third chapter of Exodus where God identified himself as I am. You'll notice here in verse 1 it says, I am the true vine. The vine was just full of meaning for the Israelites. In fact, throughout the Old Testament scriptures, what we see is that the vine represented Israel. During this time, if you were to have looked at a Maccabean coin, on that coin would have been a vine. And if you would have worshipped at the temple there in Jerusalem, you would have signed, observed a very ornate vine around the entrance of it throughout the Old Testament scriptures like Psalm 80 and Isaiah 5, God's people, the Israelites, are identified as the vine. God as the vine dresser. And He is the one that is, owns the, the vineyard. He is the one that has planted the vine. He is the one that is orchestrating the health of that vine. But here is a pattern that we see throughout the Old Testament is that while that vine bears fruit, it inevitably bears wild fruit. Why? Because instead of drawing from the grace that God has provided for them, they are chasing after foreign gods. And so that takes on some significance here when we see it says, I am the true vine. The vine up until this point, the Israelites, had always bore wild fruit. But Jesus is standing before the disciples, these Israelites, and he is saying to them, Listen, I am the true vine. I don't bear wild fruit. I bear God-like fruit. And you can count on the fruit that comes from me. I am the true vine, and up until this point, they may have thought to themselves, if I want to get to God, then I need to go through the vine of the Israelite nation and the law. But Jesus is saying, and what encouraging words to us today, Highland Crest, that in order to get to God, you don't go through Israel, you don't go through their law, but you go through Jesus. I am the true vine. That is what he is saying here. He provides a picture. As branches remain in the vine... Believers are to remain in Jesus. There is another character that we see in verse 1, and that is, and my father is the vine dresser. That is, this God the Father is one that owns the vineyard. He is one that has planted the vine. He is one that has watered and fertilized and gives great attention that this vine will bear fruit. And so, Here's the picture. What does it look like to have a relationship with Jesus? He says, consider how a vine connects to branches. Now, I don't have a vine, but if you live in Hobart, at about 10 o'clock last night you heard a chainsaw in someone's backyard cutting down a branch from their apple tree. That's me. And I brought a branch with me from an apple tree. 
And maybe this would be a good illustration because I think that's the whole point of, of John 15 is to provide a metaphor for us. And so you have this tree or a trunk, a vine, a branch. And if, and if you want to understand what it looks like to have a relationship with Jesus, he's writing now to followers of Jesus, it said it'd be like, it'd be like a tree or a trunk. And then if you want to have a relationship with Jesus, you need to be remaining in it. You need to be connected to it. Well, how do you know what the fruit represents in a tree? Well, I think that's pretty easy. We don't need to overthink that. The fruit corresponds to the nature of the tree, right? If you have an apple tree, you are going to bear. If you have a a pear tree, you're going to bear. If you have an orange tree, if you have plums, you're going to bear those. Well, what is the fruit then in John 15? Well, if you have a Jesus tree, you're going to bear Christ-likeness, right? And so he is saying here that if you want to understand the picture of what it means to have a relationship with God, you have a, a wonderful, vivid view of this, that as the branch must remain in that tree... It is completely committed. It is completely dependent. Because from that tree, there is sap. And with that sap flows from that branch, would you even look here, you even still have some leaves. And unless that branch remains in that tree, it will never bear leaves or fruit. In the same way that if you are in a relationship with Jesus, the only possible way that you will bear Christ-likeness is if you remain and you prioritize your relationship with Jesus and the Spirit of God will flow through that relationship and will allow you to exhibit the fruits of the Spirit that we see in the Bible. And so here's the picture that we have. As branches remain in the vine, believers remain in Jesus. But what we see here in verse 1 and and verse 2 is that not all that are associated with Jesus actually bear fruit. Look at what it says there. Verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Now, if you remember the context in John 13, there was a man, one of the followers, quote-unquote, of Jesus named Judas. And Judas associated with Jesus. He attended a Bible study. He went on mission trips. He was even the, the treasurer. But he did not bear fruit. And what do you do with a, a branch that is associated with Jesus, but it doesn't bear fruit. Look at what it says there in verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burn. You see, not everyone who says to Jesus, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And in John 6, after a very difficult teaching where Jesus taught, it says in John 6, verse 66, after this, 
many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. You see, there will be people within the church that perform all sorts of external religious activity. They are tares. And they appear to be connected to Jesus and the church, but they do not bear fruit. John would say of them in another place, 1 John 2.19, he would say, they went out from among us, but they were not of us. If they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are all not of us. Within the church, we see this. And within Jesus' own disciples, we see this. So not all associated with Jesus bear fruit. But listen to this. Branches and believers that remain do bear fruit. As the vine of that trunk of that tree contains sap that flows through the branches to produce fruit, Jesus offers His sap, the Holy Spirit. And this flows to our life and we will exhibit Christ-likeness, namely love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So this passage leaves us with two types of people in this room. There are those who bear fruit and there are those who do not bear fruit. And it says here in verse 8 that the one that bears fruit actually proves that they are a disciple. Look what it says in verse 8. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciple. Now those of us that are experiencing this fruit in our life, that are remaining in Jesus, get an extra blessing. And you know what that blessing is? You see it there in the next part of verse 2. And every branch that does bear fruit, here's what the blessing is, he prunes. That it may bear more fruit. You see, the vine dresser is so committed to maximizing fruit bearing that he prunes us. Now, we could look at the vine dresser and say, look how gracious he is. He has planted the vine. This, this vine dresser is one that has watered the vine. He has provided fertilization for the wine. But there is another task he has, and that is he wants to prune us so that we can be more fruitful. Maybe a little illustration of this would be helpful. As I've thought in our church, there's at least one person that comes to mind that could use a little cutting and some pruning, and that's my son Elijah. So Elijah, (laughs) I wonder if you wouldn't mind standing before us, and maybe you could just kind of hold that out for us and maybe face the the congregation. And um, and while you're doing that, I was going to get something for your hair here, so... <laughs> so this is the process. And by the way, I'm, I'm doing this. I'll be doing this this winter on our own apple trees. The vine dresser looks at the tree and says, you know what? There's a lot of branches here that are wasting sap. And I'm all about bearing fruit. What I want is big, luscious apples. But in order to do that, 
I can see some trimming is necessary. So look at this one here. This one's just taking too much space and it's taking too much snap, sap. So let's just prune it. Look at here. This one has no purpose at all. Why don't we just take a little time here and we'll prune that one as well. And look at all this stuff here. You know, we don't, we don't need this. This is, this is drawing from that branch and, and this one's drawing from that branch. And if this tree could talk. What do you think it's saying every time I'm snipping, every time I'm removing, every time I'm pruning? Do you think it's happy with the vine dresser? It is not. Thank you, Elijah. Great job. So the vine dresser is so committed to you bearing fruit that he is willing to sacrifice your comfort in order to develop Christ's character in you. And so in his providential care, there are times that he will prune by just the very word of God. I'm hearing the word of God, it's being preached to me, and whoa, that hurt, because that that hit me right where I'm at, and I'm convicted by that. And there's a pruning that says, "I I need to make a change in my life. Certainly he will use the word of God, but you know what else he uses? One another your family, unforeseen circumstances. As one pastor put it this week, providential pain. Things that, inconveniences that you would never want on your worst enemy that are being brought into your life right now. But God loves you too much to keep you just right where you're at. So he is the vine dresser that comes and he clips away, introducing pain. But why is he doing that? So that you will bear more fruit. That's what it says there in verse 2. Already you are clean, verse 3, because of the word that I have spoken to you. That word clean and, and, and pruning kind of seen the same as you're already being pruned, you're already having some stuff removed from you. But I think it's also, we could spend a whole sermon on verse 3. I think we could also go back to chapter 13. I think it's verse 10 where Jesus is washing the disciples' feet and he tells them you are already clean. You're, you're whole. It means that you're justified. It means you are forgiven. And that's what he is saying here again in chapter 15, verse 3, which is an amazing thought because just in a few moments, all these disciples are going to abandon Jesus, and yet he says to them positionally, you're clean, you're, you're forgiven. That doesn't mean that you're sinless. But you're going to fall. There are times that you will fall. So that's the picture. What does it look like to be in a relationship with Jesus? It means to be completely dependent on him. It means to be committed to him. It means to draw entirely from the strength that he provides to live. It means to be so close that you could hardly tell where the separation is between you and him. So what's the application then of John 15? And I think that moves us then into verse 4. That leads us to the priority. And here is the application. That is, in order for a branch and a believer to bear fruit, they must abide. Look what it says there in verse 4. Abide in me and I in you. 
As the branch cannot bear fruit unless itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And notice this wonderful phrase that we might be prone to just skip over. But verse 4, abide in me and I in you. It's not only that you're abiding in me, but I'm connected to you as well. What does it mean to abide? Well, when you look up the Greek word here, it just means to, to stay, to dwell, to remain, to be present. It's not complicated. It means to just to, to have a life that hangs out with Jesus as much as you possibly can. One pastor that's just kind of the master of illustrations, Tony Evans, talks about abiding is like, what's well, like a tea bag. And you've probably heard this before, but there, there are two different types of people. When it comes to making tea, there are the dippers that will take the, the tea bag and they'll just dip it in and out of the hot water for a moment and then get it out of there. There are, there are people that come into church on Sunday mornings and they dip into who Jesus is. But when the service is over, they get back out into the life that they really want to live. There are dippers that might on occasion open the Word of God or on occasion might might listen to some Christian music, but they're not abiding at all in their relationship with Him. But then there are abiders that like that tea bag, it just rests in that hot water. And something happens there. That hot water begins to be discolored. That tea bag begins to fill up with water, and it's as if those two properties are made for one another. And this is what it means to abide. Are you a dipper or are you a abider? Is your life saturated on who Jesus is? Are you taking Jesus with you everywhere you go? Or are you just kind of dipping in and dipping out? Jesus is not off interested in dating you. He's interested in marrying you. That you would be committed completely to him. This is not complicated. And so what we see here in this passage is it's our responsibility to abide. It's God's responsibility to produce fruit in us. Loved ones, we can't control if we're going to bear fruit or not. But what we can control is abiding. And this is the application, I think, of John 15, that I will do everything I can to abide in Jesus and allow the sap of Christ-likeness to flow through my relationship with Him onto my relationship with others. Did you see what it said there in verse 5? For apart from me, you can do nothing. If you look at this branch here that's been cut off, it's just a matter of time before this is going to be snapped and it will have no possibility at all of bearing fruit. Why? Because it no longer is abiding. It's no longer remaining in the branch. 
or rather in the vine or the trunk. And if you are disconnected from Jesus, you can't do anything. And you might hear that and you think, what do you mean? I can do all sorts of activity. I can do all sorts of religious activities. And I would say to you, that's the problem. Is that you can do all sorts of things, but what you are really have been called to is to abide. There are either abiders or there are non-abiders. There are not people that abide for a little while and then they don't abide. It's either you abide and you remain in Jesus and you remain with Him forever or you have never abided. What does it look like to abide? I think there's a few clues here in verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. What does it look like to abide? To build your life on the very words of Christ, the words of God. So that what flows out of you is his truth. But it's not just that. Look with me at what it says in verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. So it's not just simply to know these things in our head. But a part of that meditating is applying it into our lives. So there you have the picture. There you have the priority. Then allow me to conclude then with the promise. For those who abide, for those who bear fruit, those who glorify the vine dresser, that's what it says here, there are blessings. Here's the first one that we see in the second part of verse 7. Those who abide receive answers to prayer. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. There is this principle of familiarity, isn't there? My wife and I have been married, I think, for 19 years. And if that's wrong, correct me later, not now. Uh, And you know something? She can anticipate what my favorite meal is, what my style of clothing is, what the favorite, my favorite vacation would be like. And when you've spent that much time abiding in one another, you can finish one another's sentences, right? In the same way, having abided and remained in Jesus and His Word dwelling within us, we know what He would have us to ask. And so we ask according to His will. And what a blessing it is to see Him answer those prayers. It just occurred to me this morning, a few years ago I was visiting with my family and I've got twin sisters that are in their mid-30s and and one of those sisters is named Courtney and uh I saw her across the room a few years ago, and I just saw a sadness over her face. And uh, I think she was not content with the singleness that she had had. And I said to myself, you know what I'm going to do? Is I'm going to pray for her, that God would send a man into her life. And as the Lord brought her to my mind over these years, I just have prayed that. And on Thursday this week, In just a few days, I'll be able to have Thanksgiving with Courtney and her fiancé, who I'm be discipling over 
over the internet or whatever. And I'm just saying to you, what an answer to prayer. To be able to see, Lord, I think this is what you would have me to pray, that she would find a a godly man that would take care of her, that she would be able to enjoy the, the blessing of marriage. When we abide, God puts things in our heart that he would have us to pray for, that he would love to answer. And what a thrilling thing it is to see him answer. Another promise or another blessing that we see there is those who abide remain in the love of Jesus. Look at what it says in verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Is there anyone here this morning, don't raise your hand, that is doubting that they are loved? This is what the Bible tells us, that those who abide, whose God's Word is dwelling within them, who are keeping those commandments, they will have God's love very clear to them. They will be possessed by God's love. And I know that I haven't pulled from all of verse 10 that I can, but this is an amazing thought that in the same way that Jesus abides in the Father and receives the Father's love, we are to abide in Jesus and receive Jesus' love. And I think there's at least two implications for that. One, there's times where we need reassurance of Jesus' love. Here's my love for you. He makes it very clear when we remain and abide in Him. But here's a second implication. Let's just be real. Our love reservoir dries out. And we need someone else's love to love those people around us. Amen? And so as we abide, it's like the love of Jesus flows through us onto other people. Anyone need that? The answer is in abiding. And then finally, here's another promise. For those who abide or are bearing fruit and are glorifying the vine dresser, they are possessed by the joy of Jesus. Now, last week I was blown away by this thought that Jesus would present his peace to people. My goodness, what a promise, what a gift. But I'm equally blown away this, this morning by verse 11 that tells us these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. I don't possess the joy. Well, that's fine because I've got my joy that I want to give to you. Well, how do I get it? Through abiding. By remaining in Him. By having His Word remaining in us. By applying it. That one of the promises that come from that is that we receive the joy of Jesus. Like, here you go. It's yours to experience for yourself. So, that's the message. Now, here's the question for you. Which one are you? Are you the branch that is associated with Jesus? You might have even done some Bible studies. You might have even gone on a mission trip. You might even be the treasurer. (laughs) That's what Judas was. But he did not bear fruit. it's it's 
It's a firm warning to us today. Or are you the branch that has fruit, that you see Christ-likeness flowing through you? If that's the case, then maybe you would join me in saying, well, then let's get all about abiding because that's what I've been called to do. God's will for me is to abide, to allow his word to dwell in me, to, to, to obey that word, and then I'm just going to trust him with the fruit. So here's what I'd like us to do today as we close out this message. Think for a moment about the people that were instrumental in bringing you to Christ. I think of, for me, I was in college, and my roommate was on the basketball team. And, and he was not a Christian, still not a Christian. And hardly anyone on that basketball team was a Christian. And they would go out to the bar after a basketball game and they would do all the things that college students would do. But every once in a while, my friend Joe would say, there's this guy on the basketball team named Zach. The guy is different. Man, he, he doesn't do any of that stuff. And he's like, follows Jesus or something like that. And, and I remember going to some basketball games, and after the game, I would see all the players kind of congregating, and I would see this young man who just seemed to have a glow about him. He was clearly different. There was a joy that was all over him. And I thought to myself, whatever that brother's got, I'm drawn to that. And the Lord used that Zach in my life to to bring me to faith in Christ. I wonder if there's anyone else here to say, make me a Zach. (laughs) And the reason Zach could be like that is he was abiding in Jesus. Say, I want to be that. I want to abide in Jesus so that I might bear fruit, that I might glorify God. Why don't we just take some time right now as the music team comes and say, "Let's, let's apply this passage. One, if I'm not bearing fruit, let's settle that right now. To say, Lord, I want to remain in Jesus. I want to draw from his strength. I want to glorify the vine dresser. I want to offer proof that I'm a follower of Jesus. And then if you're like, yeah, I have been bearing fruit. I've experienced some pruning today, this morning, this week. And now it's, it's clicked what God is up to. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to commit this pruning to bearing fruit, that I would bear much fruit. There is an opportunity that is before me right now to say, however you want to use this to bear fruit. It hurts, but it's, you're going to work good from it. So I'm committed to you working Christ-likeness in me through this. Why don't you just pray right where you're at? you would either bear fruit, if you have not bearing fruit, that you would repent of your sins, place your faith in Jesus. Or just right where you're at, just say, I'm all about, Lord, I want to I abide 
help me to adjust my life. I, I have not been abiding. I've been more of a dipper than I have been an abider. And I am sorry. No more playing games. I've been trying to date Jesus and not, not be married to him. You need to, you need to get that right today. And then others will say, I'm all in on this abiding. Let me do that. So you, you pray right where you're at. Lord, thank you for your word. It's just a very clear picture of what it looks like to have a relationship with Jesus. We thank you for the word that is written right now. It's something that we can see. And right now you may be invisible to us. But we look forward to the day that we will see you face to face. And this will all It'll all be really clear to us. So grant us the grace now to put these things into practice. In Jesus' name, amen.